poke is from the Hawaiians. At its simplest form, the Hawaiians would catch reef fish because going out in the voyaging canoe out into the deep waters, that's, that's treacherous. And that's, you can't do that every day. So a lot of times poke would be made with reef fish. And then they would use whatever is around it that is very close to it. So they would use seaweeds to flavor it. They'd use salt, hand-picked salt that, is a pot that washes up and dries in the, on the shoreline. And then they would flavor it with, with kukui nuts, which is candle nuts that is roasted. And that was it. That was very simple. flavor is an amazing human who has perfected their craft. Welcome to Flavors Unknown, a series of inspirational conversations with renowned culinary leaders. Discover how their cultural identity shapes their creative process with your host, Emmanuel. Welcome to episode 88 of the Flavors Unknown podcast. My guest today is Chef Sheldon Simeon from Tin Roof on Maui in Hawaii. I am your host, Emmanuel LaRoche. I have been in the food industry for more than 20 years, both in Europe and in the US. And every other week, I have genuine conversations with renowned chefs, pastry chefs, and mixologists from around the US to talk about their path to success, their challenges, and how their cultural heritage influences their creative process. Please follow us on any podcast platform and on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Flavors Unknown. You can subscribe to our monthly newsletter at flavorsunknown.com. In this episode, Chef Sheldon Simeon talks about his cookbook, Cook Real Hawaii, the story of Hawaiian cooking with the different influences coming from China, Japan, Korea, and the Philippines, his restaurant in roof on Maui, and his experiences on the food TV show Top Chef. Hello, Chef. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Manuel. Yeah, I'm very excited to to have you. And so, where are you today? You are at your at your home, correct? I'm in beautiful Wailuku, uh, Maui, Hawaii. A little humid today. A slight overcast with trade winds coming from the east at 15 miles. You are hour. torturing me. You want me to tell you the weather in New Jersey at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I'll take a little bit of overcast, you know, and humidity. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I feel like a jerk nowadays every time, like, how is it in, in Hawaii right now? Speaking yeah. to everyone on the East Coast or up up North. So, I know you guys, you guys are getting it in right now. It's about to get. So I still cannot believe, now, you know, my luck when I, I met you at uh, <laughs> Newark Airport on my way to Maui uh, not too long ago in October. And uh, you were going back home, I think, from uh, a, what series of pop-ups and uh, the signing of your book, correct? Right, it was yeah, it, yeah, you caught me right at. Uh, I was squeezed out like a sponge at that moment. I was uh, got every drip <laughs> out of me. New York took it out of me. But we went to go promote the book. You know, we've been promoting the book right here in my garage this whole whole time during the pandemic, and went to enjoy New York City. I love New York City. Oh my god, like the energy and all of that, and the circles around that that I've created up there, and the friends, and they all. 
New York always show me love, man. I love it. And uh, we went to go promote the book, did a pop-up, and did a few shows. And uh, so many people that we met had so many ties with Hawaii. Or it was always a positive, positive uh, memory of Hawaii. So we loved it. It was so much aloha in the city. What does aloha spirit mean to you? Yeah, man, the aloha spirit it comes from the people, uh, comes directly from the lineage of the Hawaiians who aloha this land. So they love these islands and they, so much that they respected it and their, their idea of loving the land, taking care of it, and it will take care of you. That is the basis of all, all things in Hawaii is respect the land, respect your community, respect your neighbor, respect each other. And in turn, you know, Malama, you know, take care, take care of you back. So that's, that's the Aloha spirit. And Aloha goes both ways. That's the thing, right? It's in order to receive Aloha, you got to give Aloha. So you have to give Aloha. It's a full circle. So how is the book uh, selling? We've been floored by the, the, the response of the book. Yeah, we've sold a few. <laughs> so say, you never know, right? When you put a body of work out that you that is like, you know, you're being transparent, you're being personal with it, and you're representing something that means so so much to yourself and means a lot to a lot of people. You want to represent it right then. You know, I never you never know the response of that I was gonna get. And uh, so far it's been how amazing. How many how many months or years did you spend? End of uh, on making the book or working on the book. Yeah, what you know, so I I can't take all the credit for that. There's many many people, but the main the main guy Garrett. It takes a village, huh? Yeah, to, yeah. Uh, to put together a book uh, yeah, and to promote it. <laughs> yeah, my co- my co-author got a Garrett Snyder. Uh, we worked on this for a little over three years. One thing other, you know, sharing personal stories, getting in depth of the history of Hawaii, learning ingredients and, and really going to each, putting out the stories per each recipe. That was really important to us. I think you need that for the, the importance of the, the context of what that recipe, it means a lot more when there's a story behind it. And every single recipe has a story that comes with it. And and I guess in the, the spirit of Aloha as well, you are giving 100% of the proceeds, you know, from the sales of your cookbook uh, from the restaurants for the people that are buying the book at your restaurants. You donate it to uh, a Maui nonprofit and a cause, correct? Yeah. That is uh, focusing on feeding feeding local communities. Correct. Uh, so in any book uh, that is purchased uh, from... This our one is one of them. Yeah, our <laughs> restaurant, Tin Roof Maui, you can go to tinroofmaui.com. All of it, 100% goes to the Maui Food Bank, and that has sold so many people. And uh, I mean, that, that has, that has fed, fed so many people. So we're, we're, we're over 30,000 donated right now. And Okay. And so how many, uh, how many, uh, how many dollars it is in donation? We're, we're over, uh, $30,000 in, in, in proceeds to the, the Maui Food Bank. Just, that's fantastic. Just, just to turn the roof alone. So very cool. So the, the title of your book is called Cook Real Hawaii. So why <laughs> yeah. did you choose this title? Yeah. And no, what, what like cook, cook Real Hawaii. That's a strong, you know, just strong title. Uh, I think we cook Hawaii was was in the mix, but then we wanted to put the real 
in there. At first, at first, I was a little hesitant because that was a suggestion. I was like, oh man, it's a lot of pressure. It's like calling this, this is the real food, you know? I think the realness of it is, yeah, it represent, I wanted to represent our food to the fullest. And then that realness come from the feeling of, of putting my heart into this book and, and really, really sharing my, my history and, uh, all of that is just as real, real and raw as it gets. So cook real Hawaii is uh, my, my experiences from, from when I was born and, and until now. And, and all the influences. And we are going to talk about this because. You know, on the podcast I had before Chef Roy Yamaguchi, and I had as well Jean-Marie Jocelyn. I don't know if you know him yeah, from, um, you know, from Hawaii. These are legend, legendary chefs in, in Hawaii. Yeah, and, and, you know, of course, when I talk uh, with them, we obviously mention the whole movement, you know, from the 90s that was, uh, they were part of both of them, you know, the Hawaii regional cuisine. And, uh, you know, it was all about this idea of sourcing locally, you know, and developing relationship with local farmers. But, you know, listening and to you talking into different interviews you have done and looking at your book, it's, it's a little different. I mean, it's almost like a different generation, you know, that now you are looking back into like the roots and like all the people that have made the history of the food in, you know, in Hawaii, correct? But before we move on, uh, like those those chefs, Roy and, and and alongside many other chefs, Chef Peter Merriman and Sandra, all, all of I that, just met those two. So yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. I all of that, that guild, though, you know, like set the platform for for us as we're not so young chefs anymore, but we still feel like the young guild, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, they set they set it the the pace for us, and you know now. Now we have this opportunity as, as chefs to like showcase the food of our grandparents and the, the food of our community, the, the things that we want to preserve. I think for a lot of, for a moment in time, they were so creative, right? Chef Roy and, and Jean, Chef uh, Jean-Marie Jocelyn, they were, they were so creative and like some of their plates were even whimsical, right? When you look at it back in the nineties and it was so exciting. It was, uh, it was, and they did. They they brought attention to Hawaii cuisine, and you know it almost became this that that is Hawaii cuisine that showcased what they showcased. That it after a while, like people got kind of the the idea was muddied of what Hawaii uh, cuisine really was is is. So here we have this opportunity to to educate people and uh, like showcase the the different moments uh, in time throughout that that influence what we have in our culinary yeah. world now so from your point of view what do you think is the the biggest like misconception almost like the people have about hawaiian cuisine or hawaiian food uh I think, from mainland I mean, yeah obviously. i've said this i think that that it's a tropical based cuisine you know it's and it's easy to think that you we see girls in hula skirts and and macho guys sipping on Mai Tais and, and trade winds and all of that kind of stuff. So it's easy to think that like this media has, has painted this paradise of, of tropical, tropical goodness or whatever. When it, when, when you really peel back the layers, it's, there's moments of, of dark history and moments of, you know, humble times. So if you look in behind all of that, so of all these families that made Hawaii their home and, uh, yeah, I think you just have to go back and and peel back the layers and too. peel like like the Maui onion, I guess. Yes. There you go, the, the Maui layers. onion. 
to, yes. to see that, I how, love it. I how, love that how vast our cuisine really is. That's it. Those people that came from different origin and background and and what i love with the story of history of food it's you know it's linked with the history of a region or a country and and obviously from you know when i read your book it was fascinated that everything is connected to the industry of the sugarcane and like all the workers came at different decades but you know either from first from china then from japan then you know, then Korean, Portuguese, Filipino, and and this is all this melting pot or mosaic, you know, of yeah. culture that's making, you know, I think it's fascinating and I oh, really like that. It is. It's, it's my favorite thing to to learn and is watching foodways, pathways, not necessarily only in Hawaii. I had a blast doing research when I was for the, for the book, but like just seeing how how things are influenced, like how Japan got their tempura and then like how are the spice trades uh, and how noodles went throughout Asia and uh, all of that stuff. I love it. It was amazing to put a magnifying glass of, of under Hawaii and showcase our cuisine and speak about it through the book of, of all these different cultures, like my grandparents and it share so many similarities to places like that, like how yeah. Japan. So your grandparents came from the Philippines, correct? Yeah, they came from uh, Ilocos, which is the northern region of the Philippines, where many, many, uh, majority of the, the Filipinos that came to work on the plantations come from the north. Uh, so I just be, I, at this point, I'm third generation practically in, in Hawaii, so... You know, I don't speak the language very, very little. I don't speak Ilocano. So, you know, my way of, of celebrating my Filipino culture is, is through the food and which is also unique too. You know, like I've been on Top Chef and they taught me as, as, as a Filipino chef, right? Too. And then I've, I've done so many different things with Filipino food, but my lens of Filipino food is very narrow. Uh, it is through Hawaii. It's, it's, it's strained to the, through the sieve of Hawaii. And it's probably so. almost like a, a steel pitcher in time, correct? Because Filipino food, I, I evolved and like, you know, Portuguese food, I evolved and, you know, and Japanese and so on. But this is all those people that came, you yeah. know, what at the first parts of the 20th century, you know, the end of the 19th century. And, you know, all of this mixed together with local ingredients obviously created something really different and special. I love it. I love there's like two parts of like Hawaii when you look at the cuisine that that came from from that era of the the migration immigration. So like a lot of celebrations that we do is still based in like the old times and a lot of recipes of how they've done. So here we are, hundred years later. A lot of thing has changed in in where that those celebrations come from. So we're it's almost a time capsule, but it's kind of like tweaked a little just because they had to go off of memory. So it kind of, kind of changed. Like the nostalgia factor. Yeah, absolutely. So can you give us an example, maybe of, you know, a dish in Hawaii that have maybe like, like maybe one with the Korean influence, one with the Portuguese and one with the Filipino? Yeah. Portuguese sweetbread. You know, like that's as far as when it comes to baking in Hawaii, like the, the most prominent probably. Uh, thing that is baked is is the Hawaiian sweetbread, and now you see now I mean Portuguese sweetbread. Now it's called Hawaiian sweetbread, right? Because we think of when we think of just sweetbread and bread in Hawaii, it's always a sweetbread. But that was brought 
by the Portuguese, which is actually even like kind of skewed too, because these were immigrants from the Azores, which is like they have their own culture. That's not really, really some Portuguese from what I've learned too. So it's kind of, kind of a blending of things. Yeah. And what about Korean? Uh, Korean, so Korean food, I see tendency of to, to kind of cross over with Japanese food uh, here in Hawaii. And it tends to be on the sweeter side. One of those things is the abundance of sugar, right? So sugar cane. And they had to kind of go down different flavor profiles of what made sense to them. So the soy sauce and sugar here in Hawaii That's what they could get, and that was the the flavor that they could they could celebrate. So a lot of the dishes here in Hawaii is very sweet, very as compared to what you would see from where it came from. Okay. Yeah. And one example with Filipino cuisine. Filipino cuisine, so many. I, I think one of the, our our Hawaii favorites is pork and peas, which is a guisado dish. It's braised down pork with uh, with green peas. But if you ask, uh, what is Even more than adobo, I think in Hawaii, uh, our pork and uh, pork guisantes stew would be the the dish, Filipino dish of Hawaii. But I, I was just as well in, interested to hear uh, to read in your book that, in fact, I always assumed that they the, they were most you know Japanese you know background individual like in, in versus others. But you said now there's maybe more Filipino people having a Filipino background, correct? Versus Japanese in uh, on the island. We've had the largest probably immigrant is is definitely Filipino. Uh, I think at first Japanese because and Japanese and Korean because they were the entrepreneurs. They they were the first ones to break away from the plantations and start their own businesses, restaurants and, and all that stuff uh, while the Filipinos stayed and work hard in the fields. And so they, they're, they're the ones in like when you go out and a lot of Japanese restaurants are, are, the, are like the older restaurants here in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when it comes to poke, what's the influence? The influence come from where? From Japan or for poke? Uh, so a little bit, little bit of both. Poke is hand, is from the Hawaiians. Right? So at its simplest form, the Hawaiians would catch reef fish because going out in the voyaging canoe out into the deep waters, that's, that's, uh, that's treacherous. And that's, you can do that. You can do that every day. So a lot of times poke would be made with reef fish and then they would use whatever, whatever is around it that is very close to it. So they would use seaweeds to flavor it. They'd use salt, hand-picked salt that is a uh, pakai that is in the, that washes up and dries in the, on the shoreline. And then they would flavor it with, with kukui nuts, which is candle nuts that is roasted. And that was it. That was very simple. They'll do that. Then as these people came with them, they brought, they brought the different uh, ingredients, you know. So now, now soy sauce, shoyu style is like the most, what you, most common, what you'll see that comes from the Japanese later on. And when the, the, the chili pepper was, uh, was introduced to Hawaii, you see nioi or the, the Hawaiian chili pepper introduced into that. And then sesame seeds and sesame oil you know, from Koreans. So, and now it all blends together. And now, now poke is like this, this rage that is, mixed up in all so many different things. I think we need to tone it back, tone it back a little bit. <laughs> so as I mentioned to you before the show, I, 
uh, always ask one, you know, my guests to share, you know, maybe like a, a recipe for like a home cook or at least a guideline, not the recipe in detail, but like a, a guideline. So maybe as we are talking about poke, what would be your suggestion for someone like me, for instance, you know, at home to make a poke, but with, with a twist with, you know, a chef Sheldon Simeon right. you know, twist on it? Well, first you need to find, you need to get the freshest fish and that's, that's it. You need sashimi grade fish when you're, you're making it because you're going to be eating it raw and you want that. And then I always, I always start poke off with where it started. And that's even though you're adding soy sauce to it, I always add salt to it. So sea salt in particular. I, we, we're lucky that we can get here like hand picked salt, but one of the best salts that you can get is maldon salt that, that kind of mimics the, the flakiness. So I always, I love, but that's my favorite. If you kind of get Hawaii handpicked salt and then, and like flavor it, it takes a lot of actually, you need to flavor it for delicious poke. I think the, the normal home cook does not realize of how much actually you have to, you have to season it. Not to the point where it's drowning, but it should be seasoned very well with soy sauce. And if you're going to put sesame, I love adding ginger. If you like, some people like garlic, kind of like that whole or, raw, uh, raw garlic, like like kind of almost a ceviche style. It, 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 it just add bonus to it. Sweet onion to it, and then a little bit of scallions to finish it off. That's okay. That's a you put some. I have seen some that it seems that is almost mayo in there. Yes. There's some mayo in yeah, some yeah, of, yeah. So uh, that's the that's the influence of the Japanese. You know, everyone loves spicy tuna rolls when you go to to the sushi sushi pub. So we make. There, we make sushi a spicy tuna style, so spicy mayonnaise, and then we put a little bit of a uh, masago or tobiko, the flying fish roll, uh, eggs in there, and uh, yeah, it's delicious. Love okay, it. you put some nori as well, or no? On yeah, the- we put nori, so furukake. The way that furukake? we, so the yeah. way that we do it at at Tin Roof, we do a spicy tuna style, uh, but we season it. We season it with soy sauce and sesame oil and chili oil, uh, a ton of sambal. A little bit of sriracha. We mix that with a little bit of uh, mayonnaise, not too much, just 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 enough to kind of bring it together. We finish it off with a sweet soy, kind of mimicking unagi sauce or eel sauce over the blending of furukake, which is like a seaweed uh, seasoning, and then uh, kaki mochi rice crackers, which are these small little crunchy rice crackers for texture on the top of it. Always though at Tin Roof, always fresh fish though. Always. Yeah, I I had it. I had your spicy your spicy poke. That was very good. I'm just curious because we are talking about all those different influences, but there's as well, you know, all those islands, you know, in Hawaii. And you know, for someone like me who, you know, come to an island to another, you know, I probably don't have the time to really dig into the the real food and and so on but do you see like there's like differences on the way people cook from one island to another or it's it's like really blend now blended? yeah i think i think each island has its small uh, has its uh, own uniqueness not not by much you know and it comes to resourcing of of things and who what particular family made that that island their home and brought their their culture with it? I think even me, I'm discovering as I travel. I I don't know the the history of of, of Kauai that much. I don't travel to Kauai, but I just learned the box 
box lunch, I think it was. It's like the, their 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 form of of the bento. The I, bento I, box, just, yeah. I just learned I just learned that last month. That's that's one thing in, like in Kauai that they have that. So, but I mean, you're born in uh, Hilo, so I mean, Big Island, and now yeah. you live in on, on Maui. So, do you see different uh, differences between Big Island and Maui? I think it's the the, the towns. Hilo is this very family oriented town, still still stuck in a time capsule. If you go back with the old old buildings downtown, and, and it still feels like that small town uh, feel, you know. Then you go over to the to the the west side of that the big island where it's like lined with amazing these beautiful resorts and the four seasons and the fairmont and all of that stuff you know they're like these million dollar resorts it's it's crazy to see that so and they're 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 doing avant-garde food and and beautiful food so like right on the same island two different styles of, of food so let's talk a little bit about your uh, food concept, your restaurant, Tin Roof, in on Maui. So, what, so why why that name first, and then you know, can you tell us a little bit, you know, the concept of of the restaurant? I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah, so Tin Roof comes from my home of Hilo, where it is the rainiest city in the U.S. I don't know the statistics, but it rains a lot. Uh, so more because, than Seattle, <laughs> more than Seattle, totally okay. for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I Google it. Where's Young Jamie? Where, <laughs> where is he? We have a <laughs> to go on, but all the houses have have tin roofs, aluminum roofs. That and you know, cooking in my in our garage was a thing, and hanging out in a garage, and you would hear the the rain pattering on the on the roofs. It's just I don't know. To me, it's something soothing, and just just reminds me of. Many great memories. So I thought it was fitting. Cook with your parents and, and your yeah, brother? My, exactly. My parents, my, my whole family, all of that. Yeah, cooking for... In the book, there's like one of my favorite photos of all time that where there's like a whole lineup of, of food in my garage. And that was such a norm growing up. We cook all types of food, you know, anything Hawaii-based. We're always very Filipino. When we cook for large gatherings, it's always cooking in the Siliasi, which is the... The big walk, Filipino walk. Okay, Siliasi. Uh, I didn't know that. Okay, okay, interesting. Yeah, so we're we're cooking the 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 pork and porkisantes and adobo and pancit noodles too. Uh, but on the side too, there's there's like Hawaiian dishes too. So you know we have with smoked pork and we're frying fish, local fish, and just all this blending of all the cultures. They'll, they'll you you look at the table and there'll be every single culture represented. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So what kind of food do you serve in uh, a tin roof? So, yeah, so yeah, so well at tin roof we, we will take a step back to the idea of of the we got the name why why it was but but it was a okazuya prior to me called Kokoichi Banya. It's a bento shop. I went there. They're open for 25 years feeding our community for our, our community. And I stumbled upon it when I first moved to to Maui and I ended up going there and being a regular and became friends uh with their sons yeah with the owners and you know jokingly i always said that i think a lot of chefs romanticize about if they're running a nice big at that moment you know at that time i've been running a few few restaurants and then we always romanticize about having a small neighborhood spot like that and i joked around with them when i we had a conversation one day about the 
moving on. They're moving on and we had the opportunity to take it over. And we wanted to keep that feel. We wanted to keep that mom and pop feel. That's that's a big thing for me. As much as we're in for Hawaii cuisine, uh, being one of the chefs alongside many other who are like uplifting our cuisine and trying to make it, you know, move it forward, thinking progressive about it, you know, uh, equally as important is preserving our cuisine and like these places. Is, like, it, is it something that like this. came to you when you got older and so on? Because I'm, I'm guessing when you decided to be a chef and you went to culinary school, you know, in Hawaii and so on, that was not probably your first dream, correct? No, 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 there wasn't. When you go into culinary school, right, you're seeing these chefs on, on TV and you're seeing, you go to a, you go to an event and they're cleaning up like this. They're bending over and they're making everything <laughs> so nice. Everything's so shiny and so cool. You're learning these techniques. Yeah, it's fun too. It does, it does come with maturity and it comes with age as you, as you look back at it. Maturity. And, yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. I, I look and look at all the, especially these neighborhood restaurants that you like have gone to for years and you see them going away and you, it's like, it's sad that the community feels by, it. Um, you know, chains and, you know, all of that. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it's like, it kills me when, when a restaurant is about to close and then they, they become busy, you know, at the end because that's, yeah, it, it shows how much, how much it's important to a community. So I had this opportunity to do, to do this and uplift this restaurant and keep it going for this next 25 years or hopefully longer keep this mom and pop feel so we're doing local local classics kind of with our spin on top of it and that is accessible to people it's just food that makes sense when you're eat when you're here in hawaii it, it makes sense i don't know if it's i know it's delicious i hope that it would be it'll do good in other places too it's definitely food that when you're here, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. You yeah, know, it is. I mean, we, we ordered the food as, as you know, and, you know, we met you when we were there and, and we enjoyed the food back to our, you know, the apartment that we were in. And uh, that was fantastic. So, and, and it's really amazing to see all those people like waiting in line. <laughs> and, you know, it's very popular. I mean, locals and tourists. So that, that's, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's it. We just want to be able to feed our, Feeder community. That's so, is it. there going to be uh, a tin roof two, tin roof three, um, potentially in different islands or around Maui? Or well, our industry has taken a blow to it. It's it's tough. Everyone's with. with I think labor is the biggest thing. As much yeah, as I want like to, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, to expand it. It's 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 the reality of it. We are we are happy to announce that we're going to be renovating the place and expanding. We're going to be doubling our size in that, in that location. We're excited for that. It's, it's all for the better of serving our guests and being more efficient and having more opportunities for our cooks to, to showcase their, their creativity too. And when we put together tin roof, you know, as we spent every single penny that we had, it was, we we're down to literally less than a dollar in, in our savings in, in our bank. And we, we put together, we put it together with, with family and friends and like anybody who could help out. And we use things from, we use material from, from the local hardware store or things that we could and get. And it was just after you did the second season of Top Chef, correct? Because you did the second, the second time you did Top Chef was in 16. There's a right? funny, so there's, there's a crazy story right there in itself. So weeks, 
prior to like uh, just a few weeks, maybe a week, I don't know, prior to opening uh, Tin Roof, we were having a meeting with myself, uh, my wife, Janice, our chef at that time, Jeff, and our, our manager, Sarah. So we're sitting around the table, we're, we're conversing of, okay, going through the opening and, and doing our checklist. And then I look down at my phone, I get a phone call and I, I see Magical Elves, which is the casting uh, for Top Chef. And I'm like, I got to go take a phone call. So I literally just grabbed the phone and just walk out like super rude <laughs> to everyone else. I walked out the door and I, I kind of accepted it with, with anybody, <laughs> without anybody's. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and you came back into that meeting. And then and I came said, back in and they're like, what? You all it? going to open without me? <laughs> yeah, what is going on right now? And I said, like, I'm going back on Top Chef. And they were, they're crazy. They're Floored, but I would have probably yeah. too, no? Well, I, so. I, I would have I would have a month with them during the opening and then I would leave for, for two months. My wife had planned to to go to Texas at the same time because she knows how I get during openings. And what, what, the wife doesn't want to be a part of the openings. <laughs> she it, wanted to be away. <laughs> she was gonna, so she, she had it all planned, you know, because I, I'd be living at the restaurant. I live at the restaurant. Yeah, 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 Everyone, yeah, yeah. When you open a restaurant, you, you're living there. So she's like all wide-eyed and like, what, what do you mean you're going back? But the team was amazing. They, they ex, you know, they excelled with my... Uh, but I mean, me I, I guess it helped as well from a business standpoint, correct? Like, for the months and years after the, the more exposure and, you know, people traveling to, to Maui and coming to your place. Obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is one big perk of being on Top Chef is that you, you get these uh, to advertise to a lot of people and you get this, this a lot of eyes on you. So, yeah, it helped out. Okay. And even after you've done the first one that was season 10, so it was in 2012, you were still like hungry for coming back in, in, <laughs> in for the season fourteen. Yeah, they they buttered that bread on, so, so <laughs> they, they, they shoved it down my throat. With, like, like they knew exactly what to say with with. So everyone. how was the experience? Is there a different experience between yeah. like the season? Oh, totally. Season that, 12 that, that and second time, that second time around, I didn't take myself so seriously. I knew what to expect the first time around. It's like I had a lot of doubt at first, you know, like. Like I'm still this kid from from Hawaii going out there without this experience and and seeing being on top of the big screen. You know, like I, I come from this small little island, and but uh, the second time around, you know, there was a huge learning lesson. The first time of being myself and being proud of my cuisine and understand my I understood my food a lot more of the type of food I wanted to cook, and I had a blast. The second time was was amazing. It was so much fun. I wish I. Turned out a little bit different, but made it to the <laughs> made it to the yeah. end in both in both seasons. And uh, yes, but you had uh, you had like the a good let's say vote from like the from the yeah, audience, yeah. right? So. Yeah, fan favorite in both seasons. So let's let's uh, switch into the the rapid fire questions because uh, you know I, I want to be respectful of your time as well. So, what is the smell that reminds you of your childhood? Smell that reminds me of my childhood is uh, lauya simmering on the stove, which is a bone broth stew that is a soup 
So whether it's like a beef shank or, or pork ribs with cabbage and potatoes and then seasoned with a little bit fish sauce and vinegar. But just that boiling of their broth all day, it, leaves, it, it literally, whether it was in the pressure cooker after, years later for like, for like 40 minutes, but prior to that, it'd be on the stove for slow food, six, yeah. six hours and all day. You just smell it from the time you, before we, that, we would wake up to that and we'd have to smell that all day before we could eat it for dinner. <laughs> yeah. so. And, and uh, what do you eat it with? So yeah, we just eat it with rice, but it's one of those, yeah, one of those hearty dishes. And then we put the chili vinegar on top of it. I, I like it like really, really vinegary and, and spicy. That's Okay. Wow. I've seen on your book, you're talking about chili vinegar, but I've seen on your book, I'm not sure I'm I'm going to mention it correctly, but is it chili water? Yeah, chili pepper water. Chili pepper water. So what what is that? Yeah, that is the that I guess that's our condiment of Hawaii. It's it's a blending of usually just uh, seawater or sea salt and a little bit of vinegar, some garlic, and then the Hawaiian chili. That was the condiment for Hawaiian food. But then again, the influences of all the other cultures. Now you see fish sauce in it and soy sauce in it mom and pop restaurants you exactly. know and diners yeah, yeah diners. Ha- okay hawaiian hawaiian food uh, at luau's Luau. okay yeah okay very good cool cool so when we saw each other i think maybe it was on the plane that uh, we talk about this but i asked you about a recommendation and where to dine in maui and then so we went to the restaurant marlo you know with uh, here yeah that was next to the brewery you know mahalo works that's that was fantastic by the way thank you very much for the recommendation and for everyone listening if you are going to Maui fantastic view as well on both bays you know and it's you know if if it's not covered with clouds you know it's fantastic view and we were lucky but let's say that next time I come and you and I we are going in a tasting tour in Maui so where are like the five spots that you will take me to all right, five spots that I'm going to take not, you to. Not, not uh, Tin Roof, obviously. No, and not, not uh, Marlowe because I've been there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we're going to go We're gonna go eat Lechon and we're going to eat Bindongo, which is like a tripe. <laughs> tripe. Yeah, very, very I love hard. tripe. So, yeah. Tripe <laughs> uh, soup at this at Paradise Market, this Filipino restaurant. We're going to do that. We're going to eat Filipino food. We'll probably, probably get like, 12 because you can get so many different things we'll get like 12 items and put it on the table <laughs> just just eat it out so paradise market uh, then we're gonna go get poke we'll get poke Where? at, at kaohu store that is located in in wailuku cool story is that the, the young kids of this family were gifted this restaurant and then they wanted uh, to do poke and now how they're doing it so i love to see this convenience store Turned into a poke spot, but the freshest fish, nice, super delicious. I love it. We'll take a ride over uh, to the west side because this is st- it's still brunch time. Still, we'll go see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go see our good friend Leanne Wong at her her spot, Papa Aina. Leanne is a fellow Top Chef alumni. Just but one of the best breakfasts that you can get anywhere. Tomorrow we'll go all the way up to the west side in the Pili and we'll go eat we'll go eat vegetarian food. Super organic, just super fresh flavors. And you know, I'm a carnivore by heart. I, I love <laughs> I love meat. I think I eat yeah. steak every single day. But their food and their their ingredients, their sourcing is is so beautiful. What? Our roots. What is that? Huh? And then we'll finish off back in town for the most Hawaiian experience. 
at an Italian restaurant. <laughs> really? No, no, no. It's, uh, it's just Sally Pepe. I, why I say the Hawaiian experience? Because what they exude is aloha at, at this restaurant, Sale Pepe. Once you walk in the door, they, they treat you like ohana. They treat you like family. Yeah, I didn't grow up like eating Italian food, but their food has soul to it that it is as if I had a Italian grandmother when I'm eating it. It just makes Very me so nice. happy. So that's a good roundup of, of yes, ones. absolutely. What's your favorite guilty pleasure food? Guilty pleasure? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. The one that your wife probably says should, you should not eat that. <laughs> yeah. Wavy potato chips. Oh, okay. Any, oh, any seasoning or? Lace. Original wavy potato oh, chips. The original. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> once, once I open the bag, it's done. My kids have bought me that for my birthday in the past. And I was, I was happy about that. Very, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have like three cookbooks that inspire you the most in your career? Oh, three cookbooks that inspired me the most. Alan Wong's New Wave Luau. He was one of the original uh, chefs. Another one is the Uchi cookbook. Uchi is a sushi restaurant in Austin. They had a Filipino chef there. Pocky was amazing. The guy inspired. His, the way that he was doing flavor of food was out of this world. And then, oh, let me look back. <laughs> You look, my, you look at your uh, 1,000 books yeah. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I know like it seems cliche because everybody says it, but it's the French Laundry Cookbook. Yeah, yeah. everyone says that. Yeah, everyone says, it's, it's to see food that precise and that amazing. And then the stories behind it too, just like listening to, to Chef Thomas Keller about what the food is. So. Yeah, there okay, you go. Okay, so the, my last questions and then let you go. Beside the classics, what condiments, spice, sauces do you like to have on end at home? Oh, so modern salt, always on everything. Like, really, like my kids will need crunchy salt on everything their avocado toast, their steaks, their all of that. It needs to be finished with, with modern salt here. Argumato lemon olive oil here. Okay. That's, that's uh, that's, that's uh, the things that you can do with like uh, the peel of sorry the peel yeah. of the of the lemon and you put in olive oil. Correct? Yeah, that's, you put it in yeah. olive oil. Uh, I like this particular brand Argumato just because it's it's the way it comes out the bottle is just perfect. And my kids put it. We also put that on everything. Lee Kum Kee premium premium oyster sauce. That has to be the one the one with the kid in the boat is like Yamasa soy sauce. Yamasa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that and. Uh, Chili pepper water, our own okay. our own concoction. concoction. What is Hilo Exo sauce? Hilo Exo sauce is yeah Hilo. Uh, yeah, so Hilo is my hometown, and just we're just utilizing and Asian flavors that you would find here in here in Hawaii. So like okay, so you make like a version yeah. of an Exo a sauce. Version of Exo sauce. Okay. Yeah, got it. That's okay, very cool. Chef Mahalo. <laughs> Mahalo. Uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, thank you so much for for your time. I, I was really excited and and pleased, and you know that you accepted to be on uh, on the podcast. So thank you so much. And then I I'm waiting, you know, impatiently to uh, come back to Maui or you know another island in you know in Hawaii. It's it's a great place to to be. 
Yeah, I'm glad that uh, we've crossed paths and uh, we made this happen. Thank you for giving us platform to just speak about our culture and our, our food. Thank you for listening today. If you have the chance to take a trip to Maui, please make sure to taste Chef Sheldon Simeon's food at Tin Roof and explore the other food locations mentioned by Chef Simeon on this episode. You will be able to find the info about all those locations on the episode show notes at flavorsunknown.com. Please follow Flavors Unknown on your podcast platform as you do not want to miss any upcoming episode. My guest next week will be Chef Fermin Nunes from the restaurant Suerte in Austin, Texas. Fermin Nunes has been named and Food and Wine Magazine Best New Chef of 2021. I see you in two weeks. And until then, remember that people who love to eat are always the best people. Thanks for listening to Flavors Unknown. If you've enjoyed this episode, give us a follow on Instagram at Flavors Unknown and visit us at flavorsunknown.com. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts.